Welcome back to the Grief Observed Podcast. I'm your host, Brad Morrell. If you would like to be a guest on the podcast, contact me at griefobservedpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, tell me a little bit about who you've lost and a little bit about your grief journey, and we'll be glad to get you on the podcast. Um, I have to say that I feel like I have captured a unicorn for this podcast. Uh, as many of you know, men don't always share their experiences or emotions. Uh, however, today I have guest Joe with us. Uh, he lost his wife back in 21. And uh, Joe, I'd just like to welcome you to the podcast. I really appreciate you doing this. I've only had one other uh, man join the show and he was a friend of mine. So um, I appreciate you being on the podcast today. Oh, no problem. And uh, thank you, Brad. And I have to say, I've never been called a unicorn before. So <laughs> that, that's a first right out of the gate. But. Well, I'm, uh, <laughs> no offense meant by that at all. It's uh, <laughs> it's just a, a very rare thing uh, for men. You know, I, my my day job is being a therapist, and I would say that um, I think I've got around 58 clients currently, and I would say probably just a little over 20 of those are men. Um, I don't think we we're, I don't know. We're kind of taught in society, I guess, kind of pick you, pick yourself up by the bootstraps and move forward or move on. And, um, so it, it's just rare that, that I, I talk to a man who's willing to, Tell me about his journey. So I, I certainly appreciate you doing that. Uh -huh. No problem. Um, so Joe, I'll, I'll uh, ask first. Just tell me a little bit about yourself. You can tell me as much or as little as you want, and uh, just kind of set the stage for for uh, the podcast here. Okay. Um, well, my name is Joe, obviously, and uh, I was married to Lisa for thirty-one years. And, um, I have, we have two children, they're grown now, they're uh, 30 and 32. And I am, uh, my day job is in IT and I am planning to take early retirement, uh, in about five months. So, mm. um, kind of spurred on by everything that happened in, in 21, it kind of caused me to speed things up a little bit. And I decided that I, you know, I just wanted to live life more now, you know, rather than work, be one of those people that works and until they only have a couple of years to enjoy retirement. So, so I'm looking forward to that in April. So hmm. I, I, uh, and congratulations on the retirement. And, okay. and that's one of the things that I, I tell my clients a lot of times with retirement is sometimes we find our identity in, you know, maybe it is in our spouse or maybe our jobs. Um, but I, I see so many people just, uh, I guess, just drenched in their job so much that when they retire, they lose sight of who they are or maybe who they are was their job. And uh, so I, I do commend you for, for stepping back from the job. And you're right, you know, money isn't everything. I think time is the one thing that we can never get back, right? Correct. So you said you have uh, two children, 30 and 32 then. That's right. Yeah. I have uh, a boy and a girl. Uh, the boy is uh, the older of the two. Okay. All right. 
So tell me more about Lisa. Like what, uh, what was your marriage like, Joe? Well, you know, we were, uh, we we're pretty much best friends. You know, we were uh, peanut butter and jelly and we did almost everything together. Um, and not because we you know, didn't trust each other being apart, but we just enjoyed being together and we just always wanted to be together. And at, at some point in our, in our marriage, I stopped being Joe and she stopped being Lisa. And we became known as just Joe and Lisa. And that's how everyone referred to us because mm. we were just always together. We were always a team. Um, she was a wonderful giving person. She was a teacher's aide for 20 plus years who worked with um, children with special needs. And whether they were, uh, you know, learning disabilities or uh, autism or just behavioral disabilities, she had some classes where uh, the kids were very capable. They just didn't want to do the work. And, you know, she uh, she did that for 20 plus years. And she let me just say that she had. Uh, I call them a, a gang of you know, Lisa's gang. She had a gang of kids around town that uh were second daughters and second sons to us that all called her mom. So um, she was just one of those people that everyone tended to, uh, you know, gravitate towards. Hmm. And so she was, she was very, you know, very special person to me. So. Yeah. Yeah. So do you have any special memories that uh, kind of mean more to you than any <laughs> with Lisa? Um, yeah. I mean, I mean, there's so many, it, it's hard to, pinpoint just one but um i i will the first thing that popped in my mind is we have a uh, in-ground swimming pool and i was getting ready to take the cover off one year and we discovered we had about oh i don't know i want to say several hundred tadpoles in the cover of the pool and i was getting ready to bring the shot back out there and you know, get the water off the pool tadpoles and all and she just she wouldn't have it so we had to vacuum all the tadpoles up, put them in coolers and relocate them to a pond right down the street. So um, she was a huge lover of animals of all kinds, even tadpoles. Um, that was just the first one that popped in my mind, but that just gives <laughs> you an idea of what kind of person she was. But Yeah. Yeah. And you know, her job, it sounds like she cares for people and now you're stating she cared for animals as well. And sounds yeah, like a good, could... good hearted woman. <laughs> She was. We took in strays of all kinds, two legs, four legs, no legs <laughs> as in the top four place, but, mm. so. Wow. So I don't know if, if you can tell me like um what what happened with Lisa? What was she sick or what what uh, happened? No, it was just very sudden. It was unexpected. Um we were uh it was a Friday on a Friday night, she just said she wasn't feeling very well. She was just really tired, is what she said. And she was going to go to bed early. So I said, okay. So she went to bed and uh, we got up Saturday morning and she seemed fine. She was much better. And I was uh, doing a little remodeling work in, in the bathroom at the time. And I had to run out and grab a, a last, you know, couple of supplies. I said, you, you sure you're feeling okay? Everything good? She said, yeah, everything's good. So I said, okay, I'll, I'm going to run out to the store. It was about you know, seven, seven thirty in the morning. And I said, I'll grab breakfast while I'm out. She said, okay. So I, I got home and we were just talking just like you and I are, you know, right now. And she 
kind of started slurring her words a little bit. Mm. And I, I asked her to repeat herself and she did. And I said, Oh, I said, well, you know, we need to go to the, you know, we need to go to the hospital. And she actually said, okay, which is not like her. She is normally the type of person. She did not like doctors. She did not like hospitals. She would never normally just agree to, to go. And she said, okay. And I just need to, you know, use the bathroom first. I, I said, all right. And I went downstairs to tell my daughter we were going to go to the hospital. And, um, and Lisa collapsed upstairs. And I, I heard it and I went upstairs. And, I, you know, I told my daughter to call 911. I started CPR. Uh, paramedics came and we were able to, uh, to get her back um, and get her to the hospital. But uh, ultimately, um, she never fully, uh, you know, she never came back. So. Oh, wow. Well, I'm sorry that, uh, that you experienced that. That's, um, sounds like a, a scary moment in life too. And of course, losing your best friend, um, there's just no words for that. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, and I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I used, you know, my best training from when I was a teenager, I was certified in life-saving and, uh, you know, through the through the Red Cross and I, you know, as a lifeguard. And so I, I was going off a, a long time memory of, of what to do and it just wasn't enough, but the paramedics were able to get her back for about 12 hours, but it was all. Yeah. So I know at this point, um, you, you've been through really one full round of the holidays uh, since she passed and, and you're, you're back around again, you know, I, you know, I, I noticed that uh, that you had already gone through one Thanksgiving at least, and and you know you'd stated this was the second Thanksgiving without Lisa. That's right. Um, have you noticed, or did you notice any difference this year compared to last year? Um, the the only really difference this year is that I'd been through it before. So um, what I did is a, uh, you know, my, I have the two kids and they are, my daughter's vegan, my son's vegetarian. And so this year I did a complete, um, you know, vegan Christmas. So that kind of Christmas, Thanksgiving. So that, that kind of kept me occupied and busy that I was trying all new things that I'm not used to doing and making. So I didn't have as much time this year to just think about things. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, just trying to, trying to keep myself occupied. Um, so I, you know, I guess I learned that from the first year is anything you can do to keep yourself busy and just keep your mind off of who's not there and focus on, you know, the kids and, and I, so. Yeah. So like in, in what ways has your perspective on life or relationships changed since her passing? Well, I was, uh, I've learned, I guess I've learned to be happy being alone. Um, I'm not happy she's gone by any means. And I have no desire to be in another relationship right now. Um, and I, I guess part of that stems from, I have a lot of friends that are, you know, divorced or, uh, you know, otherwise single and dating right now. And they're just, 
know, one nightmare relationship after another. And, and just watching that, I have no desire to get back in that pool right now. So um, I've learned to really be happy. And I, I guess happy is the wrong word, but I've learned to be content mm-hmm. being alone and, you know, being alone with my thoughts. And, and as weird as it sounds, I feel like when I'm alone, I, I, I feel like she's with me. And when I'm surrounded by groups of people, especially other couples, um, I feel lonelier than ever sometimes. So it, it's it's really kind of a weird dynamic. Um, I'd almost rather be alone sometimes. And, you know, it's a, a no desire, I, I guess, no desire to be with anyone else. And in, in that way, I do have a lot of friends and I, I do socialize quite a bit. Um, and again, it you know keeps my mind occupied and it helps. but. Um, you're just numb. It left a big hole in me, you know. It's I guess there's no other. I don't know any other way to say it, but you know, it's just part of me passed on when she with her when she left. So, mm. no, that that makes sense, and um, I, I am curious. Like, whenever you are by yourself, like, do people try to encourage you to get out there, or do you do they understand that? you're okay being alone. I think now they understand I'm okay being alone. Um, mm-hmm. The very, you know, the first initial reaction from people was, uh, and I hate this phrase with a passion, but, you know, people telling me, you know, you need to move on. And I'm like, well, you know, the, the move on how, you know, I get up every day. Um, I get out of bed. I make my bed, take a shower. I work uh, eight hours a day. And then I go shopping or I go meet my friends at the you know local watering hole or whatever. And, you know, what is there to move on? The only thing I'm not doing is, is dating. And if you mean I need to start dating, well, I'm not ready to do that. And if that's, you know, I think that's what people think moving on is, is, you know, going out and finding somebody else. And I'm just not at that point. So. Yeah. And I think people, um, always look at your situation through their framework, you know, what's, what would be good for them or what they think would be good for them. And of course, nobody knows what you're going through until they experience that themselves. And, uh, even so, you know, for someone else who has lost a wife, your experience is quite different than theirs because their wife wasn't Lisa. Right. Right. Exactly. And, you know, to be honest, uh, I find most of the people, uh, that are in the move on camp still have their spouses. And so they have their person to go home to. Um, so yeah, they have never experienced it and, and you know, they don't quite get it, I guess is for lack of a, a better word, but. Yeah. My wife, she, she jokingly states that if something happened to her, that she said you would be out there dating next week. And I'm like, no, no, that's not, that's not what I would do. Um, but I, I don't know that anyone knows what they would do unless they're faced with that situation. And I, I pray that it's something that I never have to go through. Um, I, I, I don't I hope so too for you. But I... Thank you. Yeah. It's, I don't, um, I, I don't know what that feels like. Um, you know, I I've had grief in my life. I've lost, you know, several people that were very important to me, but there's something different about a spouse, you know, like you stated, a a best friend and, you know, in couples counseling, that's the one thing that really pushes 
people forward. Um, it's, it is truly friendship that gets couples to the finish line, you know, and sounds like that's exactly what you all had. Um, yeah. Well, and it's, you know, you're replacing you it. Yeah. You hit it on the head right there. We were friends first uh, before we dated. Mm -hmm. um, so we had that friendship already there. Um, so we always had that to fall back on. And, you know, it, it's a good foundation to have because if you're attracted to somebody just for looks or just for the physical aspect, when that's gone, you don't have the friendship. Well, what do you have? You have nothing. So by being friends first, we, we always had that as the foundation or, uh, you know, marriage was built on and our relationship was built on. So it, uh, it really made things um, smoother, I guess. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, sure. You know, we just, uh, we, we enjoyed each other. Like I said earlier, we had a lot of fun together. And, you know, we fought every couple fights, you know, you sure. have your, you have your ups and downs, but we had uh, way more for better than for worse is how I like to put it. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, we had a, we had a really good thing and, you know, I just miss her like crazy every day. So. So do you feel like there's any, uh, I don't know, particularly hard challenges that you faced in adjusting to life without Lisa? Yeah. It, yeah. The, I mean, I mean, the biggest challenge is, like I said, you know, I feel alone sometimes when I'm in crowds and that's kind of weird. The, the first time I went to a party, uh, there was a bunch of couples there. It was a 4th of July party. So it was during the day and it was just all mostly couples. And I just, I went for a long walk. I just, I just had to get out of there. And this was only like six months in, you know, or, or seven December to July. And, you know, the first wedding I went to without her was really difficult. And, you know, just experiencing all the firsts and all the milestones and, you know, just little things like this may sound, you know, kind of crazy. But the very first time I after she passed, I, I changed the sheets on the bed. Uh, you know, I broke down like the. You know, like like the just crying like a baby on the floor, you know, mm. and. It just the, the littlest thing sometimes just, you know, hit you the hardest and set you off. And, you know, so I guess it's you know, all the first and all the milestones, the first birthday, you know, her first birthday without her hair, our anniversary. And, you know, I, we used to like to travel together. And I find one of the things that's been, uh, been hard for me is to, I don't mind being alone, but, you know, traveling alone to the places we used to go um, was kind of, something I wasn't willing to do at first, but this past, this past summer, I, I did it twice. Um, Hampton beach up in New Hampshire is one of our happy places. And I went there with a couple friends and you know, we, at least, and I went there every, almost every year. And so I went there and I got that monkey off my back and uh, our, we were married in uh, Tucson, Arizona, well, Marana, Arizona, just outside of Tucson. Mm -hmm. and my best man and her maid of honor ended up uh, together afterwards and they moved to Indiana and, you know, Lisa and I used to go visit them every, you know, every other year pretty much. And so I, I did that this year for my anniversary. I didn't want to be alone on my anniversary. So I went to visit them. So I, I guess learning to do things like that on my own without her, and it's, uh, you know, the big steps, you know, it's, 
at the beginning, everything was baby steps. And I just feel like, I, you know, I'm trying to take, you know, bigger and bigger steps towards getting back to some sense of normal, not that there's ever going to be a normal. Um, and I hate the phrase no normal. Uh, mm -hmm. So I, you know, I don't want to, don't want to use that, but I am trying to move forward uh, all the time and, you know, just keep doing the best I can on every given day. And, you know, that's the way I, I like to phrase it a lot of times when, you know, people say, how are you doing? I'm just doing the best I can today. You know, that's it. Yeah. I'm, I'm like you, I would like to find a new phrase instead of new normal. Um, yeah. Cause it is yeah. something that I talk about a lot in counseling, whether someone's uh, facing their own health issue and, and, you know, they, they can't do the things that they used to, or whether they have lost a loved one. Um, there's just not a really good term for those life changes. Um, I don't know that that's, that's hard. Um, are, are there any activities or, uh, any rituals or anything that bring you comfort in helping, uh, helping you remember Lisa or keeping her in your memory? Yeah. What, what I like to do, I call it, uh, I'll tell my kids I'm going on the, the mom loop, I call it. And where we live, uh, we have a lot of really nice, we're, we're pretty fortunate to have a lot of nice, uh, beautiful nature spots really close by where we live and we have this uh park with a waterfall um about less than two miles from the house and uh, i work from home so at lunchtime and lisa had semi-retired after she uh you know worked in the school district for 20 years she was able to retire early and because she was only 50 when she passed so but she was already uh, no longer working so what i would do is take my lunch break and we would go to one of these parks nearby, um, usually the waterfall, but sometimes there's another uh, park up the road called Valley Falls, and you know there's waterfalls there as well, and there's several other places uh, really close by, and we would do that almost every day just to get me out away from my computer. Otherwise, I would be staring at the computer for eight to ten hours a day, and so just to get away, we would go to one of these parks. So I, I like to call them our local happy places, and. Mm -hmm. I'll, I'll go, I'll just, almost every day I try to stop by the waterfall just because it's closest. And also because uh, I work with the town to have a memorial bench installed facing the waterfall mm -hmm. in Lisa's honor. Um, so I'll just go sit there and I'll, I'll sit on the bench and I'll listen to the waterfall. It's, it's so peaceful. And there's usually it's a small park, so there's not a lot of people there uh, normally. So I, I'm just alone with, you know, with my thoughts and, and alone with, with her. Like I said, I think, I feel she's always with me. I can always feel her. Yeah. And so, so I, I, I'm yeah. sorry, go ahead, Joe. I was just going to say, so I like to go to all these local places that her and I would go to. And I just feel close to her there at all these different places. And mm -hmm. it really, especially with the, with the bench and stuff, it helps keep her memory alive. Yeah. So I, I know you said that you're okay with being alone, but I am curious about your support system and maybe how that's evolved since Lisa's passing. And, you know, has there been anyone in particular that's been very helpful to you? Yeah, there, you know, there has. My kids have been fantastic, uh, first of all. But, 
you know, the one thing about, about losses, I had several really good lifelong friends that I thought I could count on through everything who just kind of disappeared. Mm. And, um, you know, once Lisa wasn't there anymore, they weren't either, you know, you get the, Hey, I'm always here for you. I'll do anything for you. If you need anything, just call me. And then they're not there. Um, but what I found is some of my casual, you know, just casual acquaintances that I knew, but weren't really close to ha- have really stepped up and I've become, you know, very close to them. And I have a whole new uh, support group, you know, now, and it's, uh, you know, they, they've been, they've been great. So. That's interesting. Um and, and you're right. It's like the people we thought would be solid as a rock for us um, sometimes slip away or or think that we're doing okay and forget to check in. And, you know, one of the things that you just stated was uh, you had a lot of friends say, hey, let me know if you need anything, as opposed to taking the proactive stance and and being there for you and, and you know, then backing away if you say, Hey, I'm doing okay. You know, it's, I think there's a big difference, you know, in in grief, I don't think we should have to go fishing for people to help us in those times of need. Right. You know, I, I chuckled a little bit when you were saying that, I don't know if you heard that, but um, I had one friend who just would not take no for an answer you know when when lisa first passed i didn't want to talk about it i didn't want to talk to anybody i just you know, kind of wanted to deal with it internalize it and come to grips with everything that was going on but um my one friend and his wife who you know have stayed by my side all the time one of my rocks wouldn't have it he's like he just showed up at my house and he brought me you know gift certificate for a couple you know a couple different restaurants around town because he um you know, I'm comfortable in the kitchen and I did half or if not more of the cooking, even when Lisa was here. And, you know, so I, I know how to do it. I'm comfortable doing it, but I just had no motivation to do it at that time. And he showed up and he brought me some gift cards and he, he just wouldn't take, I'm not ready to talk for an answer. And so he proactively was, was here all the time and his wife and they've been fantastic too throughout this whole thing and uh, i'm not going to name names if he listens to this i'll know who he is so (laughs) (laughs) i i understand and it's it's good to have those uh i'll call them nagging friends every once in a while you know because sometimes we think we're okay and and maybe we're not so it's it's good to have those people in life who really are checking in and and ensuring that uh, we stay healthy in in moments of grief so that's that's great um let me let me ask you, like, did you seek out any counseling or support groups during your your time of grief, especially initially? Um, no, I didn't. Um, my primary care doctor, you know, kind of pushed that, and she's like, you know, maybe you should go talk to somebody. My daughter um, wanted me to as well. Um, I'm, yeah, I guess, I guess I'm one of those men that don't show up for counseling as you said at the beginning. Um, I, I just never felt like I wanted to do that. Um, I wanted to be able to, you know, 
get through it on my own as best I could. Um, and I, I never did pursue that. I, for about the first year, um, I didn't do anything at all. And a, a little past the first year in, I decided to join an online support group. I was a little hesitant to do that. Um, I thought it would be depressing. And, you know, honestly, it is sometimes. Um, you know, everybody, there's always somebody new in the group that is just suffering a loss for the first time. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of people four or five years in that just can't get past it. Um, and, you know, I get that too. I, you know, I'll, I'll never be past it. I'll never be over it, but it, it you know, it has, it, it gets, it gets different, I guess is the, the way to say it. Um, you know, it never gets better but it gets different. And there's people out there in the support group that, you know, four or five years in, you know, it's like fresh, you know, fresh grief. So, um, and not that it ever goes away, but at, at some point it needs, you know, you need to get different. Yeah. Yeah. I, I definitely I don't want to say better. The better is not the right word. So, you know, sure. Different. Sure. And it makes me feel, uh, even I guess more special that you accepted my invite to uh, be on the podcast, knowing that, you know, that type of support isn't really what you were looking for or would have been drawn to. So, you know, again, I say thank you for this. Oh, you're welcome. So Joe, are there any books, any authors or anything like that, that you would suggest others uh, take part of or anything that's helped you in this grief journey? Um. Yeah, actually, uh, there's I've, I've read several different books about, um, you know, the afterlife and things like that. And but what I found most helpful is uh, a, a friend of mine um, early on in, in this journey um, sent me a, a name and a link online uh, on Facebook, actually, um, to a, a friend of his had uh been widowed and she told him uh you know about this this person online he's a life coach uh you know his name is john polo he lost um his person is his wife his well fiance uh, they, they did get married but they never had the the wedding they wanted because they got married only uh you know when, when she was sick but um you know it's just he, he has written four books on all on the subject of, of loss and grieving. Um, so, you know, the after your books about the afterlife or communication and, and things like that were interesting, but mm. th this guy got it, you know, it's, it's like he, you know, he's speaking to thousands of different people at once, but it was like, he was speaking just to me. Um, and I realized, you know, reading, reading his books are all very short. They're only, you know, maybe a hundred pages, very uh, easy to read. Some pages have a sentence or two on them only. Um, so very quick. I, I read a couple of his books and, you know, one sitting honestly. And, but it, it gave me comfort to know that, you know, the realization that I was not alone, uh, you know, the journey I was feeling and some of the things I thought, you know, geez, I must be crazy or, um, you know, I'm, why am I feeling these things? 
he you know he touched on he nailed them and same with you know the online support group i said it was a little depressing at times um but where it it really helped me out was in that same aspect to realize you know i'm not alone some of the things that my friends you know thought were just outrageous and way you know out there and crazy i found out lots of people um who have suffered the same loss of you know a spouse or a soulmate we're all in the same place mm. so it that really brought me a lot of comfort so are his books available on amazon or anything or yeah they are yeah okay he also he also has a website uh, you can google him uh, okay yeah i'll try to put that in the show description um i'll make a note of that and and try to list any books or anything that that I see. But you said there's four books in particular. Yeah, there's, that... there's four books, and he okay. he has a uh, a link on his website, his personal coaching website, to uh, to contact him. and And I've done that a couple times with you know questions or stories, and and he's actually responded. Excellent. Um, so yeah, it, it's you know I, I was really surprised the first time that he responded. <laughs> you know, I was just getting something, you know, sharing something just to make myself feeling better. You know, um, I, I find sharing it, you know, when, before I lost Lisa, I was the type of person I played my feelings really close to the vest. Um, mm -hmm. and I joked a lot and made a lot of jokes about, you know, different things. And that's how I deal with things is joking. But when, when Lisa passed for the first time, I started sharing, actually sharing my feelings, real feelings. And it was really hard for me to do at first, but it was also very, you know, cathartic. And it was, it was therapeutic. It was like my own therapy is just sharing my innermost thoughts. Um, you know, so that was very helpful too. But, you know, just realizing by, you know, the online group and by, you know, the, the books by this gentleman that I was reading, um, just realizing you're not alone and you're not crazy, you know? Yeah, that's, that's uh, definitely good that you, you understand that now, because I, I think anyone that's going through a major loss, that's, that's really the first thing they think, you know, is there something wrong with me? Am I doing this right? Am I crazy? Um, but there, there's no proper way to grieve, you know, there's, right. you, you could read a hundred books and every one of those books are going to, probably have a different idea of what you should do or what is good for a person to do. And and some of those good books just say, unfortunately, you're going to have to figure this one out, but here's, right. here's some things that you may experience. Right. Um, and, it, and that's what I liked about these books. He was given his perspective about things that he went through. He, he wasn't trying to tell you how you should grieve or, um, you know, he was just sharing his experiences and it, this may happen to you. And, and man, it, it hit a lot of the things I was feeling and thinking just dead on. So, um, you know, it, it turned out to be very helpful in my case, but, you know, like you said, maybe some people are, are grieving completely differently and the things he said would be, you know, complete miss and not help them. But, you know, for me, it was, uh, it was a huge help. So, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, every, everyone's got a, a different road to travel and, um, different books, different 
audio, you know, I, I hope people find this podcast helpful. Some people may find that it's not helpful, you know, it's, um, but that's the great thing about the world we live in now versus, you know, the world that we grew up in, you know, right. I'm, I'm 48 now and, you know, resources were quite limited. You know, I, I grew up when the internet was found in a world book, you know, <laughs> it's, um, it's, yeah. it, it's not quite like it is today. Um, news doesn't travel or didn't travel quite as fast as it does now, uh, actually nowhere near as fast, but, um, you know, through, through your own experience and, and kind of finding that, you know, sharing has been helpful for you. I'm curious if there's like any aspects of grief that you find easier to talk about, or, um, are there topics that are more challenging for you to talk about? You know, when, when it comes to grief, I, I, I really just talk about Lisa, you know, I just, I share stories about her and, and us and, um, you know, I just find that very easy. You know, I, I, I talk about her, you know, to, to keep her memory alive and to, you know, keep people, you know, keep her and people's thoughts. And I find that part really easy you know the most personal aspects of it um what what i found really difficult is you know the people asking um especially when everything was fresh you know geez you know what happened it's like okay well look we're in the grocery store i haven't seen you for two years your first question is what happened um you know where you've been the last two years Mm -hmm. And so I found that hard to talk about. Um, you know, I did, I did share with, with you and your listeners, because it's important, I think, to the aspect of what we're doing here today. Um, but, you know, to people that kind of disappeared out of their lives to, you know, come back and want intimate details, I found that really hard to share. Mm. Um, and to this day, I still haven't shared what happened with, you know, the majority of my friends, other than it was unexpected and, and sudden, you know? And yeah. so I, I found the details to be the most difficult part, but um, talking about her is easy. So I tend to focus on that. And, um, you know, when you asked about stories, I have hundreds of them. We don't have enough time to go through them, but uh, you know, the, the tadpole one was the first one that popped in my head, but I just love telling stories about her and talking about her and, and remembering her and that's the easiest, you know, hmm. I've got a strange question and I, I don't know how to phrase it. So bear with me, but, and, and, and I, I don't know, like what You're making me nervous. Uh -oh, no. Uh oh, no, no, no. <laughs> Maybe I should uh, preface it with another question. Like what, what are your thoughts on afterlife first? Like what, what do you, do you have thoughts on that or? Yeah. Yeah, I do. Um, First of all, let me just say, Lisa was a big believer mm -hmm. and she was a, a huge believer in uh, especially angel numbers. Um, you know, she would, would walk into a room, be 111 and she would yell, hi, Uncle Brian, or, you know, hi to hi grandma or somebody. She'd always say hi to somebody mm -hmm. who had the angel numbers um, whenever we saw them. Mm -hmm. And I have always felt she's with me. I, it, this and again, I'm going to sound crazy, but, and I shouldn't 
say that to a therapist, I guess, but, um, I don't know your straight jacket size, so <laughs> we're, we're good. And I'm no. not going to tell you. So, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, there's times I, I walk into a room and I, I swear, I see her out of the corner of my eye. When I, you know, I was telling you about Hampton beach. We, we rented a uh, Airbnb and it had a swing on the front porch. And one day we were all at the beach and I had forgotten, uh, something. So I ran back to the Airbnb by, my, by myself. And when I came out to go back to the beach, I swore she was sitting on the front porch swing. Mm. And of course I look and she's not there anymore, but I I've gotten such crazy signs from her that I am a huge believer now that yeah. she's there. She's always with me and there's something we're, we're going to be reunited someday. And maybe mm. it's wishful thinking, but I'm, I'm a believer. Yeah, I, I don't think that's wishful thinking at all, honestly. And 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 I think that was a, a very good question for me to ask to kind of set this one up. And and I don't know that I've asked anyone anything closely related to this uh in, in the podcast so far, but if I had a moment to speak with Lisa in the afterlife, what would she say about what she sees in you and maybe your grieving experience. Well, you know, you know, I, I've had a couple, you know, visitation dreams, what I call visitation dreams. And, yeah. um, you know, she basically just, you know, at the beginning, just told me she loved me and, and she missed me. And then, you know, we hit the last one I had of her, you know, she came and she gave me, you know, a hug and a kiss and, we were just, uh, you know, talking and, you know, I told her, I said, you know, I, I talked to her out loud all the time at night too, but um, I said good night every night and good morning every morning. And I, and I just talked to her out loud a, a lot. And in the stream, I, I told her, I said, look, you know, I'm, I'm just not ready to move on yet. I'm not ready to date any or anything. And and the dream it seemed to make her really happy. You know, everybody says Lisa would want you to date again. Well, I'm not so sure after that dream. It just seemed, you know, telling her I'm not quite ready to move on yet. It, it seemed that she was very happy. And um, I had a message from her uh, that, you know, it just said she, she would have stayed longer if she could have. And our, you know, relationship checked all the boxes off and she was, completely satisfied and you know just she wished she had more time mm. so and and as you know where does that sound I, I i did get that message from her so no it it doesn't sound weird and um i, I think until you have experiences like that you know personally you know, there may be people who don't understand completely what you're speaking of, right. but I know there are some listeners who are probably stating right now, yes, 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 that's happened to me or something similar. So yeah, um, I'm not, I'm not like the kid in Sixth Sense. I don't see dead people, but I see her. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, so I, I see her, I talk to her and I, I feel she talks back and she does send me messages and, you know, some of them are pretty crazy, but. Yeah, I, I, I'm thankful that you shared that. And, you know, the, 
the one aspect I, I was uh, looking at, you know, if, if I were able to speak to her is um, I, I think she would say that she had a pretty special husband. Cause I'm, you know, I've, I've known you for all of probably 40 minutes at this point, but you know, it sounds like uh, you really cared and still do love this woman. And uh, you know, that's the one thing that I think, transcends time is love you know it's the only thing that really matters when life has ended you know that we can't take things with us but uh we can definitely leave things behind and i think those things aren't physical things you know they're they're not material objects we can obviously but uh but i think it's the love that is shared that's that's what's going to remain when when nothing else does. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we, we believed that we always wanted to, I, I guess, how, how do I say this? Um, we believed in making memories and, experiencing adventures over accumulating material things. Mm -hmm. um, so we drive old cars, we live in a modest house. Um, and, you know, we, we, we don't, we haven't had a car payment in years. We prefer to buy, you know, old, old cars or transportation. You go from A to B. We spend our money on making memories and, and making adventures. And, you know, that's one of the most, you know, the, the harder parts about, her not being here now is, is it's much harder to do that by yourself. And, you know, it, it's hard to, you know, if you go with friends or, you know, they're all coupled up and you're kind of the fifth wheel or sixth wheel or eighth wheel or whatever it is. And, you know, if, if you, you can't really go with a single person of the opposite sex, cause you don't, you're, you know, you don't want them thinking, you know, you're, you're looking for more than you are or vice versa. Um, so it, it's really difficult and, you know, so I, but I know I kind of lost my train of thought, but the, you know, the bottom line is we always made memories and, uh, it, you know, we, we had a lot of adventures. We traveled a lot over the United States. Uh, we, you know, we didn't even own passports. We, we, we go cheap trips. You know, I, we were never wealthy, but we were, um, you know, our, our love was, you know, brought us more than wealth ever could have, you know, and a lot of times we would go get a hotel room uh, an hour away or, you know, 20 minutes away, 30 minutes away when the kids were younger, especially just get away and be, and be alone. And we used to like to say it, you know, it doesn't matter where you go or how far you go, as long as you go together. Mm. Yeah, that's, uh, my wife taught me a long time ago. I, I'm one of those people that I like to just get to my destination and start my vacation. And my wife has taught me that vacations, when you clock out from work that last, uh, you know, day before vacation, and it's the journey, it's, it's not the destination, right? And, uh, I think that's that's kind of what you're stating that no matter where you were with Lisa 
Um, you were making moments, you were making memories and, uh, that's, that's pretty special. Yeah, absolutely. You know, let me, let me ask you this. And, uh, this may be, you know, my final question before I let you kind of wrap us up here, but you know, are there goals or dreams that you feel like you still can pursue, but maybe in the honor of your wife's memory? Um, yeah, you know, we, we were already looking, you know, she retired, like I said, she retired early and I knew I wanted to retire early, even, you know, when she was still alive and we had owned horses, but we got, as a, I think I mentioned we got married in Arizona and, you know, we had four horses out there and we always wanted to, you know, own horses again someday. So when we were talking about me retiring, we, we were already actively looking at some property, uh, horse properties in Northern Kentucky, which are only two hours from our friends, uh, you know, Ted and Chris are my best man and you know her maid of honor. I, I know mm-hmm. I mentioned them. Yeah. And, they, they lived right on the Indiana-Ohio border, and we were looking in northern Kentucky, just below Cincinnati, would have been two hours from their house. And we could have sold our house where we lived and bought property that had, this one property we were looking at had, uh, you know, a main house, and it had what they were calling online a servant house. But it would have been where our kids or our friends could have stayed when they came to visit. And it was already set up for uh, for horses it had horse stalls and working arenas and our plan was uh you know we wanted to have horse property and that is how we were gonna um earn income in retirement is we were gonna board and uh you know exercise horses as well as having our own um and that's always been in the back of my mind i i don't know i can ever pull the trigger to do that without her because she was going to be my partner in crime there. But, you know, I guess that's kind of one dream I haven't let go completely yet. But it would be really hard to to do alone. But Yeah, yeah, I I, I understand. Uh, I, I have property here. It actually used to be a horse farm. And this is one podcast I hope my wife doesn't listen to because she <laughs> wants horses, I'm telling you. <laughs> So uh, she, she's going to be like, yes, let's, let's make that our dream. And, uh, but like you stated, how, how about it, it, I offer this? We used to call it being horse poor because all your money goes to the horses. You don't have enough to spend on your wife or anyone else. It, it all goes to the horses. So let her listen to that part. But. Yeah. Yeah. Her, her lifestyle <laughs> may have to change a little bit exactly, if, we, yeah. if we get horses. <laughs> <laughs> Joe, it's been an absolute pleasure. Um, I, you know, I, I'm very thankful that you came on to share your story, and I feel like you have definitely honored your wife in in a major way by telling not just your story, but your story as a couple. And uh, I know she is deeply missed, and and uh, you know, I, I tell all my guests, I hate that. I had to meet you this way, but I'm very thankful for, for meeting you and you sharing the story. But, you know, before we close out, I do want to give you uh, the floor for, you know, anything that you think we missed during this podcast, anything else you would like to say about Lisa or just your, your grieving journey? You know, first, I, I, I just want to say, you know, thank you for the kind words. And I hope the things I, I said, 
came across correctly, I am much more comfortable putting my feelings in writing than I am expressing them verbally. Uh, so this is kind of uncharted territory for me. But um, yeah, I, I do want to say, you know, one thing to anybody unfortunate enough to be going through this and going through, uh, you know, the grieving journey is, you know, just always be open-minded, be open to the signs, be willing to receive signs, um, you know, be willing to explore that, the fact that they are still with us, they are still watching over us. I really believe that. And, um, you know, whether it's be, you know, a song comes on the radio or um, like I, I find feathers everywhere and I different things we had white butterflies this year for the first time ever I've never had them on my property before we had them this year hmm. um when I went to Hampton Beach the first time I stepped on the beach there's a large white feather there sure there's seagulls on the beach but it's you know a three mile long beach and right where I stepped onto the beach there was this white feather and you know I just think she's always sending me signs and always letting me know she's there and that can be a really you know, huge comfort. But if you're not open to those signs, and if you're not willing to accept that those may be signs, you know, you may really be missing out on a, uh, you know, on some healing. And speaking of healing, just just remember, there, there's no timeline for grief. Mm -hmm. um, the, the old saying, time heals all wounds is absolutely not true. Um, you know, I'm almost two years in right now. It's some wounds have gotten different, but, you know, I wouldn't say they're healed and I don't think they'll ever be healed. I think they're always going to be, you know, there's always going to be a wound there and there's always going to be something that kind of rips the bandaid back off again. Um, you know, whether it's that song that comes on the radio or something that you, you know, you see that. A couple times a week, I, I'll see something or I'll hear something. I say, oh, man, I got to go to Lisa about this. And boom, all over again. Mm -hmm. Rip the Band-Aid off. It's like, oh, she's, she's not there. Um, I've kept her cell phone on. I've, I've kept it active. I, I've kept her Facebook active, although I did memorialize it. But mm -hmm. I send her videos I think she would find funny online. I text her about things I think she'd be interested in. And, you know, I just, and, and I still talk to her out loud and all that, you know, may make me crazy. The, uh, the jacket should be large, Brad, I guess, but, um, you know, the straight jacket, but, yeah. um, but I find all that stuff brings me comfort and it helps in my journey. And I find it all therapeutic. So, um, you know, just stay open-minded to that. Don't be afraid sure you're, you're going to lose people by sharing your thoughts um some people as crazy as it sounds like i've used that word a lot today crazy but you know some people it, it seems like they think death is contagious and they're afraid if they're talking to you about it well something's going to happen to them or one of their loved ones and mm -hmm. i think that's part of the reason they tend to uh you know disappear or, or peel back but well, just, you know yeah i'm sorry go ahead I was going to say, just, just 
be open-minded and be open to what your feelings and know you're not alone and know you're not crazy. And, and that, you know, that's, that's it. That's all, I guess that's what I wanted to get across. Yeah. And it, it, is, I'm sorry, one more time. Whatever you're experiencing is, is perfectly normal for, um, you know, somebody who's in your situation and, yeah. uh, you know, there's somebody else out there that feels exactly like you do and, and you're never alone. Yeah, if you take one nugget away from our conversation, Joe, it's I would replace the word in, in grief, I would replace the word crazy with human. You know, you're you're yeah. not crazy, you're human. And <laughs> uh yeah, yeah, it's uh I think you know, we we feel like we're going crazy in grief. Um but it it's not. It's just part of the human experience, and it's it's hard to describe until it visits your home. So, well, Joe, again, thank you so much for being on the podcast, and uh, I, I want to thank everyone else for for listening. I, I hope you've gained a lot from Joe's experience, and uh, if you want to be on the podcast like Joe. Um, Please reach out to me at griefobservedpodcast at gmail.com. Again, I, I hope you've been blessed and I hope you have a great day.